listening to Ouija Broads. This is Devin. This is Liz. Hey, Liz, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Well, you're doing good. Are you drinking anything? Are there? Yeah, this is a dark and stormy. Dark and stormy at a girl in a cool cocktail glass that has a little black kitten and some jack o' lanterns on it. That's oh, how I do because it is Halloween as a lifestyle in the mm-hmm. Wood Blodgett household, much like the Kelly Lozo household. Yep, it's about. 10% Halloween all the time around here. Right. Yeah. Right. I'd say that's accurate. Well, Liz, today's story, it's a its a bit of a stretch. Uh, for it to come into the jurisdiction of the Pacific North weird, I have to engender this, like, six degrees of Kevin Bacon situation. Okay. But it's, I think it, I think it works. I'm going to use a Spokane founding father and his run-in with a certain infamous group as license to talk about this infamous group, even though they ended up in California. I'm for it, and here's part of why, as sure. I know who you're talking about. Yes. And sometimes we use our Northwest connections so that we can get a handle on the mythic West, right? Absolutely so we, we do. we want to be able to talk about Calamity Jane and mm-hmm. Wild Bill and Wyatt Earp and... All of them will have crossed over into our territory at some point, but it might not be the territory that they're most associated with, but they are really important figures for the Mythic West, and we're part of that. Absolutely they are. Yeah. I'm I'm aiding and abetting this stretch. Girl, be my accomplice in life, please. This is wonderful. Partners in crime. (laughs) Well, my dear partner in crime, you have the distinction, actually, of living in one of Spokane's oldest surviving single-family homes. Isn't that right? That's correct. Make it easier for people to stalk me, though. Well, I didn't didn't say specifically it was the second oldest surviving home. I just said one of them. I do. It is a very, it's pre-fire. It's pre-fire. Girl, you know, it does take out a lot of the housing stock when you burn the whole thing to the ground. Doesn't it? Well, you are in, in like, she-she highfalutin company, my friend, because another one of the oldest surviving single-family homes in Spokane, of course, was built for and owned originally by William Pettit and his wife, Caroline. Mm, I love the name Caroline. Caroline is such a good name. We've I work with William Pettit's wife. And you, as a Spokane person, know the name Pettit for many reasons, one of which is Doomsday the, Hill. the giant effing hill that his <laughs> house is perched atop. That, yes, mm-hmm. we know it as Doomsday Hill because in Bloomsday, which is... America's largest timed road race, thank you very much, in (laughs) Bloomsday. Doomsday Hill is like the mile between mile four and five. And it is... It's the mile between mile 4.5 and (laughs) (laughs) 4.6. It's a long one. It is so, so long. I think I've done seven or eight Bloomsdays. Wow. And... Every time you get to that one, you're just like, wow, I have chafed my fat little thighs straight through this spandex already, and here we go. We're, we're really getting the herd on, thanks to this hill. Usually there's a person in a vulture costume, though, so that helps. Yeah, that does. The the grim humor is, is something that you're going to need to take with you into this episode, my friend, because <laughs> Doomsday Hill is the lightest part of this episode. Oh, boy. Oh, boy is right. We've got 
Pettit Drive, as I said, named after Mr. Pettit, who is considered one of the founding fathers of Spokane. But unlike Spokane's other forefathers, like like Anthony Cannon or James Corbin or James Glover or Kirkland Cutter or any of the numerous dudes we've talked about on this show who kind of helped put Spokane on the map, haha. Uh-huh. They were <laughs> they were young men when they moved here or they were born kind of in the area didn't have a whole lot of moving and so they built up the city as they built up themselves. Not our boy Billy Pettit because he came to Spokane when he was 65 years old. Okay, interesting. From mm-hmm. where? From all over the place. We'll get to that in a minute because how he got here is important. Oh. But when he got here at age 65, he was not thinking about retiring. He was thinking about, how can I make some money? What can I do to make this city cool? He felt that Spokane was poised for rapid expansion. So he started buying up land. He and a couple associates bought the land where the Spokane County Courthouse now is. He Mm. also... Um, he was super into electricity. You know, this is like Edison's <laughs> you <know>. day. <laughs> yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> he was super into electricity. He's like, this is the way of the future. So he helps establish the Edison Electric Illuminating Company, which Ooh. later, of course, becomes Washington Water Power. Uh-huh. He bought up a bunch of the land around the falls and used it for Edison Electric Illuminating Company and got the first... Arc street lights put in Spokane. Oh, cool. Which is really cool. So he's a real estate dude. He is civically minded. He's making money. I mean, he lives for 20 more years and he like works up until the very end trying to make Spokane just as cool as he knows it can be. It sounds like he's trying to make as much money as he can off Spokane, but those aren't mutually incompatible things. I don't think they're mutually incompatible. He definitely, I mean, he died one of the wealthiest men in the city in 1903, and he certainly must have been money motivated for that to be true, but he was known as being a very civically minded person. You asked me how he got to Spokane. Or where he lived before. Where did he come yeah. from before? Well, he was originally born in <laughs> he was originally born in England. Came oh, over okay. to um, I think it was New York when he was like five. But he moved all over the country, dude. He was in New York and he was in Alabama and he was in Texas and he was in Missouri. And I guess he spent time in California before he came up here as well. And So California, Liz, California in the 1840s, how does one get to California? How does one get to California, eh? Mm Mm-hmm. The hard way. The hard way indeed, and we lovingly call that hard way the Oregon Trail. Mm Mm-hmm. In the 1912 book, Spokane and the Inland Empire, author N.W. Durham briefly writes about William Pettit's time on the Oregon Trail. And here's my six degrees beginning. Okay. Durham writes, it was November 1846 when near Truckee Lake, they were overtaken by a snort. They were over... (laughs) (laughs) 
Jet. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> they were overtaken by, let me try that again. It's not funny. It doesn't sound like somebody would hang out with the Thundercats. How is that not funny? I'm trying to say snowstorm. Uh, you wench. <laughs> like the ants from Practical Magic when they're drunk. <laughs> I yes, I do. That's the only thing I want to be when I grow up, okay? Is it so what we're gonna be, buddy? You and me in a white house with a beautiful garden wearing who knows what, but it'll be draped. The biggest black hats that uh, our heads can support. Yes. Just giant. They're gonna take people out when we turn around. Oh, oh my. Durham writes, when near Truckee Lake, they were overtaken by a snowstorm, at which time Mr. Pettit joined a party of six and started for the Sacramento Valley, leaving behind their wagons and about 60 people who, refusing to proceed, camped by the lake. Mr. Pettit and his companions reached Sutter's Fort in safety, but those who remained all perished save four, and these were insane when they finally secured assistance. Oh, shit. Oh, shit is right. Liz, this incident, these 60 people at Truckee Lake, most of whom perished and whose survivors were by some deemed insane, most historians think are the Donner Party. Yeah, Donner Party of 60. That's, uh, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that happened a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. I hope not. I hope not. Nope. Apparently many people had had problems on the Oregon Trail, and specifically with the route the Donner Party took, but this lines up time-wise and kind of numbers-wise. There is definitely some exaggeration. First of all, it wasn't 60 people snowed in at Truckee Lake. It was like 87. Whoa. Secondly, there were more than four who survived, many of whom went on to live very happy by all intents and purposes and full lives. So Yeah, I gotta imagine whoever rolled up to rescue the survivors wasn't like a licensed mental health professional. It wasn't. I, I feel like how people catch you when you're in not a great state. I mean, people would find me at the end of a long day and get between me and dinner and they'd be like, ah, she was found insane. <laughs> She was like, found- gosh, no. what a hag beast. Right? It's like, no, I mean, I clean up nice. I just, uh, it's been a long day. You do clean up nice. These folks have been stuck in Truckee Pass. So <laughs> I guess I'm still thinking a little bit about the decision to stay behind. So what time of year was this? It was it was winter or it was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was November. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll oh. give you the whole run up and how they ended okay. up stuck here. Before I do that, I'll preface this with a quote from our boy Tony Belmonte, who has written a lot of the books about Spokane histories that we use in Manitou Park, A Reflection of Spokane's Past. Tony says that there is inconclusive evidence that Pettit was a member of this, the Donner group. He is not included on the frequently published Donner Party lists, but it was not unusual for people to have joined or departed from a wagon train along the way with no definitive record. In Uh addition, though certainly the most well-known case, the Donner Party was not the only group to have met such a tragic fate in the struggle to reach old Oregon country. 
Old Oregon country. I am going to go with not Tony on this one and say that, I mean, the the timelines line up and the 60 people versus 87 people is a lot, but there aren't other accounts of groups that were just as big, that were also stuck at Truckee Lake, that also resorted to such a high degree of cannibalism to survive. And so I'm going to say he likely was, in fact, part of the Donner group for a time. Wow. (laughs) Which means I can now tell you about the ill-fated trip known as the Donner Party. Please do. It's come up exactly once or twice maybe on the show because Mm -hmm. we, the guy in Montana who was the slob hunter hired someone, Jim Bridger, the famous scout. Yeah, Bridger, right. Bridger, who allegedly, when young, uh, advised the Donner Party on their way, although that's disputed, I have since learned. Right. Uh, And that's at uh, Fort Bridger, I believe, or Fort mm-hmm. Fort something or other there in Wyoming, where he has said that, oh, yeah, he helped advise them at that point. Mm-hmm. If you want to really get into the Donner Party, I, I hate using Wikipedia as a resource. I kind of use it to find footnotes so that I can go yes, read those sources. Uh, but Wikipedia has a really, really good rundown on dates, names, times, family trees. I'm not going to get into that level of detail, but I would suggest if you want to know the nitty-gritty and hoary-gory, go read that. I got into this because of the Ask a Mortician's Donner Party episode, Hmm. as well as on Museum Hack, which is a fabulous website. You should all go read all the articles on Museum Hack. There's an article by Alex Johnson on the topic that I mean, for being about a bunch of people who starved to death or ate their friends, it's a funny article. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I feel like relative to other forms of accidental death, mm-hmm. cannibalism and the Donner Party particularly really bring out a flippancy that's associated with, like, Jonestown for some reason. Yeah. Like, there's a couple things where they've become cultural reference points that are, like, just bad enough Mm -hmm. to be titillating or Mm -hmm. something rather than horrific Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm fascinated by that because i think it's it's us when we see something gross or it's us when we taste something and it's gross and we're like here taste this." yeah exactly here oh that's disgusting i need you to know i need you to know i want you to all the monkeys in our troop need this information (laughs) (laughs) it's the only way you guys will know how to avoid the the purple jelly beans in the future is if you taste how bad fake grape is (laughs) it's interesting to listen to like the ask a mortician episode or to read the museum hack article and there's i mean there is no absence of of jokes that people in contemporary culture make about the donner party there's like donner party cookbooks and murder mystery games and uh, Donner Party t-shirts. picnic area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did uh, the campground. The I guess it's the official like national park area where the Donners camped uh, mm-hmm. is is now the the Donner Party or the, the Donner Party picnic ground or something like that. But it's mm-hmm. just like it it does kind of 
write itself and makes you like how do yeah. you not snicker it's like when your teacher says to open the book to page 69 like mm-hmm. how am i not gonna laugh at that that's that's the the part of my brain that really likes being close to danger but not actually in danger is oh absolutely is super yeah. into that the poor donners you know didn't start out in danger. They they were also known as the Donner Reed Party because there were there were two men, Mr. Donner and Mr. Reed, who were kind of not vying for leadership, but folks, as you do when you get in a group, are kind of looking toward a natural leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Reed apparently really wanted to lead, but folks thought he was too aristocratic, too affected, was putting on too many airs, thought too highly of himself, was cold. Uh, They really needed a man of the people, just a regular down-home guy to lead them safely. (laughs) That worked out great. It worked out so great. They got poor. So it wasn't like 60 people whose last name was Donner. It was a bunch of people and the guy leading them was Donner. Exactly. It was like six different families. And then as happened on the Oregon Trail, like groups would coalesce and then break apart and then merge again and then splinter off and like you were doing this kind of like leapfrog convoy like Mm -hmm. oh cool there's the joneses we saw them last week at big rock and now they're here i guess they got their axle working again but the original donner party is you know like six or so families that are leaving from springfield illinois and they're they're leaving in May of 1846. And unlike the folks that are headed to Oregon, you know, that are like Oregon Trail ending where you reach fertile Willamette Valley. Mm-hmm. Enter your high score. Uh, yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Do your initials ASS and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm much more of an April leaver, but I understand why they chose May. That's fine. They should not have chosen this late in May. See, the problem is they were following a book called The Immigrant's Guide to Oregon and California, written by a man named Lansford Hastings. That's two last names. I'm not allowing it. I don't think you should allow it. He's a dickbag, so we're not going to like Mr. Hastings later (laughs) in the episode. Did he ever make it west of the Mississippi before he wrote that book? (laughs) How how astute you are, Liz! (laughs) Amazing! my first rodeo it is not well so he'd made it west of the mississippi but i tell you what in his book where he's like now don't go to oregon come down to california and you know how you get to california is by taking the hastings cutoff he'd never actually Uh followed the hastings cutoff so in his book he tells folks to divert at fort bridger in what's now wyoming Mm-hmm. And go down just near the Idaho and Utah border and, and cross into Utah through Nevada and you'll reach California just the other side of the Sierra Nevadas and you'll get to Suttersville, this real cool little place right there in the Sacramento Valley that's fucking booming, y'all. Yeah, which to reiterate, he's not done. He's not done that way. He saw on some old dusty ass maps that, hey, there could be a trail through here. And he put that in his book and was like, yeah, follow it. I really want you to get to Suttersville. It has no reason to do with the fact that the guy who owns Suttersville, Mr. Sutter, gave me a bunch of land that I could then sell to settlers. You're no kidding. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything no. to do with the fact that you should just go to California because it's a cool place and then take my yeah. cut off, which I totally know is real. 
Don't even mm-hmm. worry about it, guys. Hastings Cutoff is a pain in the ass from the very beginning. Like, there is no point of the Donner Party taking the Hastings Cutoff at which there isn't at least one family going, ah, do you think we should, like, turn around because this sucks so much butt? I have done so many road trips where you think you're lost or you suspect you missed the exit or you're on foot and you're looking for this one restaurant you knew that was there. Mm -hmm. And that is one of my least favorite states of being is the point at which you're like, am I 95% of the way there? And if I go one more block, I'm going to see it. Yes. Or am I incredibly lost? And if I go one more block, I'm just giving myself another block. I have to walk back out of 20. Exactly. It's so, I mean, that's my conundrum. Like if I'm ever lost in the woods, I'm sorry, I'm going to die because what I will do is pick a direction and I will walk it until I drop dead. I won't do, you know, how people are like, (laughs) oh, I'm such a speedy little shit. You got to put weights on me. But, you know, like some people, like they go in circles. They do what you're supposed to do where you establish a base camp and then you just do larger and larger circles out from your camp, you know but you're always able to get back to it. I'm like, no, I'm just going to go in one direction. I will either hit a forest service road or I will hit a mountain. Okay, Those there are, you go. Th- I mean, because otherwise, you Ride know. Right or die. Yeah, I just feel like we've picked a course of action. We should stay the course because I don't at this point want to think about doing something different. Terrible survival okay. instincts. I mean, I get it. I get it. It's sunk cost fallacy. It is super the sunk cost fallacy, right? Well, they. I mean, they were they were all playing the sunk cost fallacy, even though all the families at some point were like, I, I don't really dig this. They kept going. They, The trail was not very well established, so kudos to them for sticking to this trail that wasn't really a trail. What Hastings had done because he was actually guiding a group kind of along the Hastings cutoff at about the same time, was left notes and nailed them to trees. So the the Donner Party could find these notes and then be like, oh, he said he turned three degrees to the west and is headed in that direction. Cool, we'll go that way. Which, you know... I can't picture that going well, but I've also, like, done a scavenger hunt for six-year-olds, so... <laughs> when you're just, like, right there, you know, look at eye level, at eye level on the tree. Look with your face, put your face at the front of your body, and point your eyes forward in a neutral manner. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Question. Did any of the six-year-olds end up eating each other? <laughs> Because if not, uh, you're doing... On the record? No. <laughs> <laughs> we are being recorded. <laughs> the group does run into Hastings, and he's like, Oh, sure, I'll help guide you. Cool, head this way. Follow the sound of my voice. And then <laughs> pieces out to, to guide the other smaller group that doesn't have as many wagons. These poor... Travelers, I mean, like I said, 87 of them are in different wagons broken up by family. And they are going through a mountain range where it is so steep, they have to, you know, put it in second all the way downhill. Like, they have to ride the brakes all the way down off this mountain. They have to cross the Great Salt Lake Desert in Utah, which took them six days. And their wagons kept getting stuck in that terrible, briny mud of the Great Salt Lake Desert. 
Throughout this journey, you know, the leaders are kind of arguing. Leaders is, is a loose term, but, like, the heads of the four families are kind of arguing. Nobody's really trusting each other. <laughs> so I think I'm very godfather. The way <laughs> they get a little bit godfather, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's September now, and they've just made it across the Ruby Mountains on the other side of the desert, this shortcut has delayed them by a month. Now, oh my god, and they're leaving Salt Lake behind, which was like oh, yeah. something at that point, that right? Was, uh, no, no, nothing, no, nothing. Okay, they, and they didn't go through Salt Lake City. They went just through uh, the Salt Plains, through the well, desert. Yeah, that's what you gotta hit. Like, well, definitely don't get supplies or talk to humans or no, anything. No, don't. Well, I mean, because Hastings Trail doesn't take you through there. Hastings Trail takes you this way, man. You know. We've got two men who have said, okay, we're going to get horses, we're going to get on horses, and we're going to ride ahead to Sutter's Fort in California, because John Sutter is supposed to be hospitable to immigrants. We will get some supplies, since we're running low on all of that. We'll let some folks know that we're out here. Maybe they can come get us and help us get there faster. So they take off. Oh, and I said Sutter's Fort, right? Because Sutter is that same fucking Mr. Sutter guy who gave all that land to Hastings so that Hastings would bring people to it. Same dude, right? Like, everywhere in the Sacramento Valley ends up getting named after Mr. Sutter or his son, also Mr. Sutter. Hey, Mr. Sutter, you can't sell land to dead people. You can take their money before they die. That's true, but it's kind of like, do you want to eat mutton or do you want to wear wool? Like, have some long-term <sighs> oh thinking here. Good point. Good point. Nobody's got a lot. Depends on how many sheep you got. <laughs> these, these poor little lambs are being led to the slaughter, buddy. I they know. are just having a bad day, and then it gets worse. Like, the families are all so pissed off at each other that they're like, okay, we're gonna... We're going to still travel in the same direction on this trail together, but how about how about we put some distance between our wagons, huh? Mm-hmm. How about how about we spread out just a bit? And at the very end of this wagon train, we have the Snyders and the Reeds. And the wagons kind of get tangled up and John Snyder, he ends up beating one of Mr. Reed's <gasps> oxen and then Mr. Reed's teamster in his frustration. And Mr. Reed is like, no, you can't do that. So he intervenes. So Snyder starts beating Mr. Reed with his whip. Calm down, everybody. I know we're under a lot of pressure here. Yeah. Like, how the hell you manage to get two wagons put together? It's like those videos of a car in a parking lot with one other car and it manages to hit it somehow. (laughs) I know. I'm the only wagon for 50 miles in any direction. But apparently. Yeah. They had to hit that one. And I mean, of course, like Mr. Reed responds to this extremely controlled and diplomatically and is like, you know what, let's kumbaya it out, let's hug and make up and we'll be cool. No, he fucking doesn't. He stabs Snyder <laughs> in the oh, heart. Oh, no, it's a knife fight. Okay. Knife fight. Stabs him in the heart and kills him. <gasps> yeah. Okay, so shit's already popping off and people aren't even hungry yet. People aren't even hungry I mean, yet. they might be. They seem a little hangry. Uh, they read they, a little hangry too. They are a little but... hangry. They could use a Snickers. Mm-hmm. The group that's left, you know, the the Snyders and the Reeds, they talk about 
okay, well, how do we punish Mr. Reed here? Do we kill him? Do we hang him? What do we do? And they finally, the family <laughs> settle on banishing him. And to where? <laughs> just get. Just, just go get. on and get. Go on out of here. Scoot. <laughs> Are they you winning? him to scoot. Scoot. You go. <laughs> yeah, it's how you shoe a chicken. They end up just giving him a horse and telling him to, yeah, go on and get. So Mr. Reed's stepdaughter apparently sneaks him a rifle and some provisions. Like, she rides up to him and gives him this stuff. So he takes off. He's on a horse. He's not in a wagon. So he's able to take off. And he ends up passing, like, everybody. And he eventually gets to Sutter's Fort. Okay. So it can be done. <laughs> okay, I mean... In theory. <laughs> in, in theory, when you are going quickly and by yourself without giant wagons on horseback with ample food, it turns out you can beat the snow at Truckee Lake and get mm. through what is now known as Donner's Pass, which is a very narrow, very high wedge between the mountains that separates you at Truckee Lake from California, where you want to be. Um, I, I just feel like so much of this is like what I yell at people. Well, yeah. Okay, I've, I have many things I yell at people. <laughs> Sometimes people are running around in circles and what they need to hear. And if this is you, here's some advice for you. Sometimes you just need to wait for more information yeah. until you make a decision. And the reason why you can't decide is because you don't have to and you don't have the information. But sometimes, sometimes. you just need to pick something and do it. Yeah. And it feels like this might be a situation where... Uh, every step you take is getting you closer to the people that can help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Reed did okay for himself, man. Just getting the hell out of Dodge worked out. He got close to people who could help him. He ended up at the fort and was, you know, eating probably not mutton, but mm -hmm. definitely not his family members. Yeah. Which were very close to that point of the story because... As I was going to say, he's not eating crow, because he's like, I fucking told you I, I should have been in charge. I should have been in charge. I could have <laughs> Nobody would remember this. the Reed party. <laughs> no one would remember. <laughs> You're just biased to like him because you went to Reed College. <laughs> would you rather be famous for the wrong reasons <laughs> or unknown for the right reasons? Oh, anonymity all day, every day, baby. You're you're kind of a Slytherin Scorpio, though, so I feel like you might not mind being famous for the wrong reasons some days. Uh, if I had to pick. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I vacillate, as you know, between, yes. like, I need everyone to fear me and no one try to understand me. I'm the one who will just, like, kick down a door and I'm wearing a giant hat and I go, no one look at me. Yes, yes, you <laughs> marvelous creature. You truly are that. Oh, I love it. Life had just kicked down the fucking door on the Donner Party, man. Mm -hmm. The wagons had to be abandoned for the most part. I mean, some of that was because the oxen fucking died. They were cold. They were starving. They were carrying these giant loads and worked themselves to death. Not only that, I mean, the Native Americans in the area weren't actually friendly to these pioneers and killed or stole quite a few of the oxen, cattle, and horses that the Donner Party had brought with them. So we've got a severe lack of animals to pull wagons, and a lot of the wagons were broken anyway. 
the people who had wagons left, these families, I had no idea, like thinking about this in elementary school and hearing about the Donner Party and Mm -hmm. making a covered wagon out of a table and some yardsticks that we put (laughs) butcher paper across to make the covering, you know? Like, I assumed you would help... Like, it was just, like, this kind of communal thing. Like, yeah, that's my wagon, but your kids can ride on it because my kids ride on your wagon and we kind of share some shit. No, dude. Like, people were saying, your wagon's broke. That's not my family's fucking fault. No, I don't care. Wow. Your baby can't ride on my wagon. If you can't carry your baby, leave it by the side of the road. We're not going to help you with that shit. Why would we? We've got our own to deal with. I'm torn as to how I feel about mm-hmm. it, because it's really easy for me to sit in my laundry room with a drink and be like, <laughs> unacceptable. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I imagine it's kind of an Everest situation where yeah. you're like, well, you can die or we both can die. Yeah. Yeah. I assume. How does that help? When you get to that depleted of a state i would like to think that i'm still that and i've i've just totally forgotten his name in into thin air where he's the one that gets Mm. back first and then he's like oh my god no one else is in good enough state to go rescue john beck and yatsuko and and the other guy okay i'll go out and try to find him anyway we're (laughs) y'all should read into thin air while we're talking about you know people dying in extreme circumstances Um, Yeah, I feel like the kid part is often a thing I forget about all this, which is this is families, right? And this is not, like, experienced mountaineers saying, I feel like taking this on. It's literally, like, the same people who would go to Disney or decide to move to Oklahoma City. Yeah. This is what they have to do. And they're dealing with, like, what do the kids do all the time? I guess they just put up or shut up. I think they- And keep walking. Put up or shut up and keep walking in the- (sighs) Over half of the Donner Party- we're under the age of 18. There are a wow. lot, a lot of kids on this. The youngest was one. There were many toddlers. There were many children between 5 and 13, say. And it just said in the stuff that I was reading that the wagon broke and the parents did what they could to carry their starving, upset children for as long as they could, you know, making them walk oh when they had to. But because the other families at times were not letting them share wagons, that's that's what you did, you know? Um, yeah. Finally, finally, the families make it to various parts around Truckee Lake, which is now called Donner Lake. The Truckee's like, what the fuck? I discovered it. <laughs> you guys fucked up next to it? And okay. That's all it takes is to die next to a lake to get a lake named after you, apparently. Like, it is a nice low work bar. if you can get it. Just, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I want them to name the cemetery I'm buried in after me, since that's all it takes. <laughs> all of the families, besides the Donners, surprisingly enough, make it to Truckee Lake. The Donners are about five miles behind the other five or so families uh mr donner cut his hand and it got infected and now it's in his arm and they're not doing so great so they decide hey it's cool you guys go ahead to the lake we're gonna camp here at alder creek you guys go on up there we know that there's a cabin left over from other pioneers that have come this way you can use it we'll figure it out let us know what the past conditions are like 
Again, though, I'm like, you're waiting for something good to happen? Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Mm, it's not going to happen. No, Liz, there's 22 feet of snow in some <gasps> places. 22 a house. feet. That is way bigger than a house. The monument, apparently, at the Donner Party site is 22 feet high so that people can see just how deep the snow was that they Thank were dealing you. with. I do not understand, as we all know, I do not understand how to convey or yeah. picture how big things are. Yeah. So I need them expressed in terms of stuff I can stand next to or picture myself standing picture, next to. Exactly. Exactly. That helps. That is one bus length. Okay, cool. But is it like the school bus yeah. I rode on? A smaller bus? A city bus? Like, be specific here. I need yeah. to. And so I appreciate that. I mean, also from an art perspective, that's really cool. Like, make the monument as high as the thing it you're is. trying to evoke. Good job. It works on a lot of levels. It does. It's no Vietnam It just makes Memorial, me think of a documentary but... I watched once where it was like such and such as big as three rhinos. And I'm like, I don't know how many rhinos you think I've been up close to. <laughs> I get that you're saying big, but like we weren't talking about rhinos. Well, slightly Could taller. Did you not say SUV? <laughs> no, slightly taller at the shoulder than the average hippopotamus. Yeah, you know. You know. <laughs> 22 feet as tall as this monument we've got the breens the keysbergs stanton who's just a single man named last name stanton with the reeds the graves and the murphys are all camped in the freezing cold and deep snow october 20th 1846 with the donner family five miles behind them Oh, God, it's October? It's October 20th, dude. They spent... Oh there's so much left. There's so, there's there's so, so much winter left. much winter. Like, winter ain't even started, baby girl. This is late fall, y'all. Yeah, it's not Halloween. It's not even Halloween, no. Their shortcut added a month to their trip. And at that point, you know what? Take the day. Reevaluate. Say, are we on track Mm -hmm. for our goals here? Yeah. Is this where we... Where did we want to be? How Mm -hmm. do we want to get there from this point in time? Not from late May back in Springfield, Illinois. Yeah. How do we want to do it now? That's one of the main things that I bring to the table operationally on a team, (laughs) is being able to catch us up a third or a quarter of the way in and say, okay, so like most projects, things didn't go perfectly as we planned. Yeah. Let's see with the idea that today is the first day yeah. of the project, if yeah. we can still get where we were trying to go. Yeah. And if so, what it would take. Because you can't just be like, well, I fucked it all up in the first quarter, but I'm just going <laughs> to keep on with my same plan for the next three quarters. <laughs> That's me and my- it don't work like that. <laughs> That's me with my master's thesis. Well, I dicked around all my first three months, but I bet I'm still on track for the next (laughs) three. (laughs) No worries. That's fine. We'll figure it out. Just to play catch up with the numbers, we've got... Okay, yes. I I need a... This is a very cool thing to, like, visually represent It is. Yeah. We've We've got 21 people at Alder Creek. That is the Donners... And several unrelated people who stuck around with the Donners. I'm really rooting for that single guy with the reeds. 
I feel like he has Stanton. the best chance of escaping unencumbered. Stanton, yeah. And I think, if I recall, the name started to escape me. But if I recall, I think Stanton does pretty well and is helpful to other people. There are Graded on the curve of being a part of the Donner Party. Uh, yeah, right. Graded on the curve of, of that. But no, it, it, there are a couple of people who are fucking heroes who make it out alive and go back multiple times for more survivors. Wow. Like, this is a running into the running of the bulls to pull out people who have been gored while the bull is still right there. Like, Jaws of the Tiger. I don't know where I'm going with this analogy, but there were some brave motherfuckers who were willing to go back into what they knew was a disgusting shit show house fire. To try I to don't save even some like other people. finishing getting the groceries out of the car when there's snow on the ground. Oh my god. Or like getting the last little bit of wet laundry out of the washing machine and <sighs> into the dryer. It's like, can I just be a slave to fast fashion already and just buy new? Done. You're wet and you're cold and you're a little bit slimy and now you're covered in wet cat hair. Now you're just turning me on, man. God damn it. <laughs> Yucky. I'm trying to talk about dead people here, Liz. Keep it in your I pants. Know. What kind of one-upsmanship are we in lately, by the way? Where you're like, I'm going to bring you all the ways to dispose of dead bodies. And I'm like, how about 12 sharks? <laughs> now you're like, what about cannibalism? What about can we do a dog that was a mayor or something? <laughs> Those are your specialty. I always end up with the dogs that get hit by trains or whatever, you know, who, who chase a bear into a cave. That was a good one. That was a good one. We're doing numbers. Let me get back to numbers. We've got numbers, numbers, numbers. We've got okay. 21 people at Alder Creek, which is the Donners and some unrelated folks. We've got 60 people at Truckee Lake, which uh, 19 of them, 19 of the 60 are men over 18. Oh, wow. Yep. Oh, jeez. Yep. 12 of them are Some women. Some of those women gotta be pregnant. Some of those women gotta be pregnant. I don't know. Oh, wow. they, d- they don't specifically mention it. But of the, the 12 women who are there, you know, a lot of them are mothers because there are 30 fucking kids with them. Oh, my God. 30 babies. I don't like that one bit. I don't like that one bit. Neither do they. So we've got 87 people or however many that numbers. Uh, because, oh, we've got two Miwok Indian guides, Salvador and Lewis, who they have engaged at some point in this trip to help guide them. So we've... Okay. Too little, too late. Definitional. <laughs> definitional. Salvador and what was the other guy's name? Lewis. Those guys should be in the goddamn dictionary when you look up too little too late. I feel so bad for them. They are so set up for failure right now. Liz, get ready to feel way worse for them. It's so bad, dude. It's so bad. Okay, before people start eating each other. They, they do try to get out. Various groups, different different parties do try to get the fuck out and go through Donner's Pass. But after a couple days, each has to turn around. It's too cold. There's too deep a snow. They are starving, dude. Yeah, I was going to say, where? when did the food run out? Oh, yeah. The food has done gone. The oxen are dead and eaten. The ox hides that they were using as tent covers, as wagon covers, as bedrolls. They're boiling that and making this weird gelatin slurry 
The I'm curious, does that have nutritional value or does it just make your stomach feel better? I don't know. I wonder that. I mean, leather is just skin that's been yeah, smoked. Yeah, and like if you eat a chicken skin, it's yeah, calories. Yeah, that's calories. I don't, I don't know if it's... We've cracked this case. Let's not look anything We've up. We've cracked it. Well, and actually, apparently, most people who died didn't die of starvation. They didn't know it at the time. But what historians say is that you can live for so frickin' long without food. And they did have water. They were melting snow water, and the lake was not Mm -hmm. frozen over. They were dying of hypothermia. Mm. And the people who were with them were also hungry. They were like, well, that guy must have keeled over from hunger. I'm I'm hungry enough to feel like I'm going to die. So... Most but also hypothermia is going to burn your calories really, oh. really fast. Like, you got no little yeah. goo packs and no. peanut butter no. wrapper you things. Can't. No, you no power nothing. gel. No fueling like a winner. But anything that was a hide, that was leather, you know, the kids were, like, stealing shoelaces to eat. Uh, yeah. They're desperate. They're in dire straits. And that is what brings us to what history has called Operation... Not Operation, I called it the Operation part. That is what brings us to Forlorn Hope. Which is what history has called the group of 17 men, women, and children who set off in December, determined to get through the pass and reach Sutter's Fort for help. I'm going to tell you about Operation Forlorn Hope next episode, Liz. <laughs> I know, I know. Like I had spent so much Sounds on the like lead it went up. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it goes great. Don't even worry about it. It's like a romantic comedy from here on out. Yeah, hooray, hooray! So we hope that you folks obviously tune in next time so you can figure out what happens to the Donner Party because it's. I mean, it's like leaving a viewing of the Titanic halfway through. You just have no idea how it's going to end. But I would love for you to, in the meantime, join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to continue the discussion. I would like you to check us out, of course, at Podbean or wherever podcasts are found. If you're new to the show and want to kind of binge on some backlog before you get the mm-hmm. follow-up here. I'd like you to go to Ouijabroads.com, which is our website, which is where we will have all the show notes. We've got merchandise. We've got other cool related guides. We would, of course, love it, not to sound too desperate here, but love it if you would join us over at Patreon.com, where you can throw a couple bucks our way if you would like for us to be able to continue to spend the amount of time that we do researching and putting together these episodes for you. What else, my friend? I think you nailed it. I think I nailed it, and I think you nailed. Why? Well, uh, hey, 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 we're on the rock. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know what I'm going to say next. Folks, we hope that you live weird, die weird, and stay weird. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.